Hello, and welcome to the Road from Emmaus podcast. I'm Jason Lowe, joined by Andrew Chow, and we are two totally ordinary Catholic guys hoping to share our journeys. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we've each encountered Christ in our lives. Join us as we talk about what comes next. It's part two of our two-episode mini-series. Last episode, Andrew and I tried to answer the questions of why do we even believe in religion at all? And of all the religions in the world, why Christianity? This time around, we go one level deeper and talk about why we chose Catholicism. We start by sharing our journeys of being cradle Catholics, and then we discuss the importance of holy tradition within the Catholic Church. Like the Church, we don't believe in sola scriptura, and we talk about that a bit too, and highlight some differences between Protestants and Catholics. We wrap things up by sharing about what we might say to those of us who have friends who've turned away from the Catholic faith. Hey, you know what would be great is if when you schedule a podcast recording day with your co-host and your co-host realized that he wanted to watch the Super Bowl instead of confirming that he was good to record on that night. Did we freeze? Are we lagging on? Uh, I think so. Okay. Yeah, that was like okay. perfect timing. We're back. We're back. After after 46 minutes of trying to set up and get ourselves set up with a proper internet connection. As soon as we start, we froze, but it's okay. <laughs> In the middle of me ripping you about uh, scheduling our, our podcast for recording on um, Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Um, it was a... <laughs> How was the game? Our, our listeners uh, want to was, know was... your analysis. So, <laughs> uh, I, I am not really a football fan. Um, I, I watch the big games uh, just to have fun. A fun fact, so one I've actually gone to two football games in my life. Um, the really? first one was just like I followed, I went with my, my uncle just because he's into football. And then I was like, okay, cool. And I was a kid. The Who'd second one was, sorry? Who'd you go see? This is new knowledge for me, by the way. Yeah, so this, this is BC is Lions. This is like oh, this okay. is like when I was six years old or something. Okay, okay. Um, and then um, the second time I went was... Uh, in grade 12 when my high school was in the provincial finals and I was like you know what I'll support my high school I'll go and I left in the third quarter when we were losing I think like 49 to 3 and I was like this is dumb why am I here (laughs) (laughs) and I just left (laughs) I uh I'm a once a year football watcher and that is essentially for Super Bowl except except I was actually willing to not watch on Sunday unlike unlike someone uh, in the name of recording our podcast but I ended up watching anyway so at least I got to do that it was um i don't know it was like i know it was, i know it was a thrashing um I, I was honestly i was hoping it'd be a more competitive and exciting game yeah um but uh, whatever i actually also yeah i thought it was pretty boring but yeah it's the it was the big game and there, but there watch. was so the, the part that i found the most impressive out of the whole thing was that one time that like patrick mahomes was tackled he was literally horizontal and then like flung a perfect yeah. pass side i saw that too down. that was one like, was crazy was insane yeah that that was like Pure athletic genius. Like, I couldn't even imagine doing that. Now, you know what else is super is our faith. And yes. that is an excellent segue. Thank you. I That's know. That's perfect. Um, <laughs> so this is our the second part of our, um, our little episode series, podcast series thing. Um, if you missed our last episode, episode 11, we, uh, we talked about Christianity and and we actually started from talking about why religion at all um, and mm-hmm. obviously the whole the whole point of the series is trying to answer why Catholicism right for for yourself and myself 
Um, what is what was our journey here? Like, did we have a point where we actually chose Catholicism? And if so, like, why did we choose Catholicism? But before we could get to that, we wanted to kind of zoom out and talk about why religion at all, right? Um, and we kind of settled on how there has to be more to life than just like following rules. There has to be something that's that, that that's more than than you know what is in front of us on this earth. Yeah. Um, and so we talked about why religion. We talked about um, for us why Christianity, right? Because um, that's yeah. kind of the next level down. And um, I guess this time, you know, we're going to zoom in a bit more and talk about why Catholicism, right? Obviously, yeah. uh, highlighting some of the differences between Protestant Protestantism and Catholicism. How many times am I going to stumble over that this episode? Honestly, the Who whole knows? episode probably. But <laughs> um, so yeah, so let's get into it here, right? Like I think I think for both of us, we kind of start from the same kind of story of being cradle Catholics. Um, yeah. So, you know, that that generally means kind of a colloquial term of being born into Catholicism. So what's what's kind of your journey uh, from that front? Yeah, so I, I was baptized uh, as a baby. Uh, my parents, they were both Catholic. They actually met in um, the University of Alberta's version of the uh, Chinese Catholic club that we ended up meeting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that we're getting married. Um, and, um, <laughs> Need they, to clarify uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, and yeah, so they, they baptized my brother and myself. Um, and, you know, we kind of grew up going to mass on Sundays, uh, that kind of typical deal that I think a lot of, um, cradle Catholics, uh, kind of go through. Right. Yeah. I mean, similar thing for me, right? Um, I was also, my, my parents met, I think, wait, hold on. I always mix the story up. Anyway, <laughs> they, I definitely know they like met, <laughs> spent a lot of their time together at the University of Windsor um, with a lot of their also similar um, Chinese Catholic friends and community. Um, And then they got married. Um, I needed to think about that there because I wasn't, I'm not sure if they actually met before that in Hong Kong. I've asked them like three or four times, but I never remember. (laughs) Anyway, the point is, uh, yeah, they were also Chinese Catholic. And my dad originally, uh, he was a Buddhist, I think. He was born into a Buddhist family and um, he, he didn't really encounter anything um until until his mid-20s i want to say and he had this huge kind of transformation and um uh, conversion journey um and yeah and then you know uh, several years later um i was born into this family and catholicism is all i've known my entire life um and i think kind of the immediate question is you know at what point is it um, where you actually choose to be Catholic, right? Like if you're born into something like this, um, you're just going to be following your following it your entire life. Um, and uh, you know how much how much is it actually your own kind of faith? Yeah. Um, so what what do you think for yourself? When do you think you had that that kind of point? Yeah, um, I think it, 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 there's like a couple different conversions, I guess. Right for me, like I think first um, I uh, I think I found it like academically intriguing um which is kind of a weird way to start off um, but i'm a nerd um in kind of i guess like elementary and high school mm-hmm. um i think i found the whole thing kind of fascinating uh, just like the concept of it and and kind of the idea of, of faith um and then i think um i didn't really dive in head first though until um i had a, an actual like experience in what what i would call a conversion of heart um, more more into university years yeah uh, it was kind of like um you know not to get too far into it but my story was very uh i guess like typical in some senses of falling away um you know experiencing a lot of vices very augustinian story um if you don't know who i'm talking about saint augustine of hippo check him out um and then um 
and then coming back and realizing that there's more to life and kind of the same stuff that we talked about last episode. Um, so I, I guess I didn't really take I didn't really take my faith into my own hands until that point. Um, like I didn't get why going to mass was important. Honestly, I just did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really, you know, see why pursuing virtue was important. I just kind of understood it, um, and then and then that kind of changed uh, in, in second year or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and like I said, kind of a similar story for me. Uh, maybe not so much Augustinian because I'm less of a rule breaker than you are. But um, <laughs> I know for me, I, I grew up going to a Chinese church. Uh, which is great. I, I did, you know, I volunteered there as an altar server. Um, I joined the youth group for a bit. Um, so it was great to get involved in that way. But at the same time, it, it was it was a Chinese church. It was Chinese mass every Sunday for my life. And my Chinese is terrible, in, in case any of our listeners don't know. And so I was never able to actually fully participate in mass. So similar to you, it's, you know, I, I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, and in that way, I wasn't able to to kind of internalize anything. I wasn't able to really develop a relationship or even realize that I should be developing a relationship uh, with Jesus, right? When I, when I kind of moved out for university um, and started going to English mass, like every week, regularly, um, having a better understanding of what was going on, um, I think that made a huge difference for myself as well, yeah. um, where, you know, mass is definitely the, the center, um, the summit of, of our faith. Um, and, um, you know, being able to participate in that way um, opened a lot of doors, I guess, uh, for me to really, truly take ownership of my own faith. Um, and I think something for me was seeing a lot of the people around me and kind of the suffering that they went through and... Um, seeing Christ work in their lives as a, as a result of that suffering, um, seeing Christ helping these people that I cared about so much um, help to carry their cross. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that kind of, I don't know how to, how to put this, but like that core understanding of how being a Catholic means um, understanding that love also means sacrifice and how intimately intertwined those two things are right it's not just love and happiness and flowers and you know whatever uh it's truly love and sacrifice is is what it means to be a catholic um when you think about jesus on the cross right so um seeing that lived out by my friends had a huge impact on me as well i would say um so yeah i mean you know I think it is definitely important to realize that, like, whether you're coming from uh, a background of, you know, no Catholicism and it's, you know, a wonderful, beautiful conversion journey, um, or even being a cradle Catholic, right, being born into the faith, there's always going to be a moment, no matter what, um, that you're going to have to really seize what it is that you believe in and and kind of take that ownership for yourself. Yeah, definitely. I I think it's, it's like the maturing process, right, really. Um, I think it, it's great uh, and it's very important to uh, baptize our children early and, and have and have that kind of grace come into their lives. But eventually, you know, there's the realization of what that is and then the, the kind of participation on our side uh, of doing that as well, right? Um, and, you know, there, like you said, there's different ways that that happens, right? You get... Um, you know, you look at the lives of the saints to see that you, you just you see things yeah. like Augustine, who I mentioned, who had a very falling away moment. And then you see like, I don't know, St. Trezelizia, who just like always gets it. Exactly. Right? Um, or St. Marie Goretti. And so like it, it's it's, you know, um, but either way, there is that discovery of that love for Jesus, I think. And that's such an important thing to have at the, at the core of our faith. I want to move on, but one more thing I want to say, just, you know, as we're sharing here is for a long time, um, you know, I would look at 
our friends who had more of these powerful conversion moments, even yourself, really. Uh, but definitely one of our, one of our friends, um, I think, you know, one of our close friends that we play Frisbee with, like he used to be an atheist. And then yeah. he had like, I love hearing his conversion story. Yeah. And, you know, for such a long time, I would look at him as an example and I would just be like, man, I wish I had that kind of a story. Yeah. And it, it would actually like... Yeah, I'd kind of be a little bit mellow about my faith, just thinking about how I didn't come from that kind of a background. But, you know, in, in, in more recent times, I think I realized that um, you, don't, you don't have to have that kind of powerful, quote unquote, shock and awe conversion story to, to still be able to, you know, have just a strong relationship with Jesus, to um, be able to realize that you also have a role in shepherding the people around you uh, to, to Jesus as well, right? And really, it's just as much of a wonderful blessing and, and, and a grace to, to be in the position that, you know, I was uh, to be born yeah. into a, a Catholic family. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's not going to be always like thunder and lightning, right? It's yeah. like St. Matthew when it was just Jesus saying, we're going to eat dinner at your house tonight. And that, that was kind of it. Um, you know, it's, I think that that's something that happens a lot, but yeah, let, let's, let's move into kind of some of these points. Cause it's going to probably be a bit of a, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Too much sharing. Um, so what <laughs> is it exactly that we believe in? Right. And I think, you know, like we said, uh, last, last episode, we dove into Christianity a bit and Protestantism. Um, and so, you know, with this episode specifically being more so about Catholicism, I think one of the most defining things that guides what we believe is the role of tradition. Right. Yeah. So what do we mean by that when we say the role of tradition? Yeah, tradition is really kind of the handing on uh, of the faith from the apostles is, is kind of the, the most uh, layman way to put it. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's the things like going to mass and going to confession and, and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, where we're able to see, um, yeah, things that aren't necessarily outlined, you know, verbatim in, in scripture. Right. But things that we still do and we and we do with uh, with importance and with reverence. Right. Um, and you know, it's such a, it's such a key piece of the puzzle here because, um, you know, just one, one quick call out is we're calling it, you know, Catholicism versus Protestantism, right? And, and just one, one little piece here, a lot of people call it Christianity when they're referring to the Protestant denominations, but no, the technical term is, um, Protestantism, just, just Mm -hmm. so anyone who isn't sure what we're talking about. Um, and you know, a, a lot of that kind of deviation came from questions about that tradition. Right. And I, I think it's really important to see um, that Catholicism at the end of the day is that beautiful marriage um, between both scripture, right, the Bible um, and tradition, which is kind of that that carrying on of things. And there's, you know, a whole range of, of reasons why. But I think um, one really important um, you know piece, which comes from the catechism, uh, talks about how. Um, the entirety of kind of that deposit of faith or that, that um, I guess, uh, understanding of our faith of what we believe comes from both of these things. So I, I want to read from the Catechism. It's, it's paragraph 81 here. Um, and it says, um, Holy tradition transmits in its entirety the word of God, which has been entrusted to the apostles by Christ the Lord and the Holy Spirit. It, transmit to, it transmits it to the successors of the apostles so that, enlightened by the spirit of truth, they may faithfully preserve, expound, and spread it abroad by their teaching. So, so it's important to see here that it's the word of God that's being entrusted to the apostles and then given forward from there, right? So it's not just saying like, hey, you know, read this one book that was written or these, these letters that were in this anthology, I suppose I should say. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, it's important that 
This is something that was entrusted to the apostles and then eventually down to us to continue to pass on in the tradition. And it can kind of be related to in a way of, you know, our own lives as, you know, within our culture kind of thing of, you know, there's definitely uh, stories and and traditions, even within your own family, within your own communities that are handed down, um, that are never, uh, you know, they're not necessarily written down either. Um, And I think this is, it's really important. Like you said, it's a key piece of the puzzle to understand this. Um, because this is a really, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a central guiding principle of how the Catholic teachings and doctrines have been, as you say, as you quoted, passed down from like directly from Jesus to, uh, Peter, right. To our yeah. first Pope, um, down to all of the popes and bishops that, and priests that we have, um, encountered in our lives today. Um, and so understanding that this tradition is is a key part of what we believe is really important because otherwise, you know, all we would be believing is in Scripture. And, you know, Scripture is the Word of God. Scripture is the Word of God. And, of course, that's definitely not to devalue it or anything. Um, but I think it's really understanding that a lot of the doctrine, if you were to look it up, a lot of the Catholic dogma is something that was handed down by Jesus, not necessarily written down. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring up you know, Scripture as the Word of God, right? Because um, one of the things I put in our notes is, is this idea of one word in two modes. Um, and it's really important because um, when we take a look back at, uh, you know, and this is going to get a little bit, you know, into theology, but when we take a look at, you know, the history of the faith, or even we take a look at the way that um, the faith talks about Jesus and about Scripture, it's always word singular, Right. Um, this is the word of God, right? We read from scripture, which is the, the word words of God. of God, not the words of God, but the word mm-hmm. of God. And then similarly, when Jesus comes into the world, right, it's the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Right. So mm-hmm. this is all a singular thing. And, and the idea here is that um, the word of God is a singular truth, right? The singular fullness of truth that we are kind of peeling back and revealing more and more of as we kind of um, understand Jesus more and more, right? So this is where, you know, when we think about the life of Jesus as the word made flesh, right? He taught, which we can almost say is similar to um, the written word, right? The scriptures, right? But he also lived with and interacted with people, which we can think of as analogous to the tradition of the church, right? And so it's really important to keep in mind, it's, it's, it is the one word, but it's the two modes. And it's important to keep that in mind that these are both directly tying back to Jesus' life in his teachings and in his interactions with the church. Exactly. Now, I think one of the common questions coming from, you know, people who might challenge this idea of tradition is, you know, what if it's just a huge game of broken telephone, right? Mm. Um, is there anything that you think might address that particular question? I think like, you know, it's really important to keep in mind that there is a direct succession for this stuff, right? That's one really big piece here. Um, When we take a look at things that are handed down, I don't remember um, which saint it was, but one of the early fathers of the church in his writings, he said like, I, so-and-so, I can't remember his name, um, taught by John taught by Jesus, right? Like like a disciple of John, disciple of Jesus, right? So it's like mm-hmm. there is a direct line, um, kind of lineation here. Is that the word? Lineage um, of, of, uh, of kind of what was taught, right? So that's one piece. 
Another is just to like kind of do your homework and and do the comparisons, right? If this was broken telephone so much, then things should really have changed, right? Honestly. But when we take a look at things like, for example, the mass, right? We keep referring back to the mass mm-hmm. and the structure of the mass. Mm-hmm. It's so well mirrored in so many things through history. Our current mass, the mass as or as written out in terms of the gatherings of you know the early church and the letters or the writings of St. Justin Martyr, and then even going back to um, things like the the story of the road to Emmaus, which in a lot of ways mirrors the mass, right? And we see, you know, this isn't, you know, like it's different every time. It's the same every time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot here that's circular and fits so well that it's tough to kind of start seeing like, you know, maybe it was broken telephone in my mind. And, and on a faith aspect, there's also, you know, keeping in mind that this is something that has been guided by the Holy Spirit, who is God yeah. himself, right? Um, you know, it's the Holy Spirit from Pope to Pope, starting from Jesus to Peter, um, is the one guiding these teachings, these these dogma, these doctrines that are being handed down uh, to the bishops, to the priests. And, um, you know, truly, if we believe in the Holy Trinity, if we believe in God's presence, there's no reason that we shouldn't believe that the Holy Spirit is also um, you know, doing the will of God in, in guiding uh, these these Catholic teachings that, that we live in and, and believe in today. Yeah, and that's also directly in Scripture, right? Um, it's in John uh, chapter 14, verse 16, right, where, where Jesus says to the apostles, um, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, mm-hmm. the spirit of truth, right? So directly saying like, hey, um, you know, it uh, you guys are going to have to Go and fight these battles. I don't know for lagging. Oh no! I think we are lagging, but I think we're back. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so I guess uh, what this is saying is that Jesus understands that um, it's not easy to kind of continue this mission with a pure human capacity, mm-hmm. and so He specifically tells us that He will give us the Holy Spirit to be with us and guide us in this. Exactly. That's perfect. Now. You know, you, you know, we had asked about broken telephone, um, and I think if there's one thing to say is, you know, f- for Catholicism in the way that the word has been handed down, in the way that the tradition has been handed down, because it's been so carefully guided by the Holy Spirit, carefully guided, um, you know, as you say, the direct lineage, um, we kind of have some more comfort around that. But what I would say is definitely the whole broken telephone thing is definitely an issue when it comes to how the Protestant church started. Mm. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of the things with, um, you know, the Protestant interpretation of the Bible is just that a lot of people are just interpreting things in their own way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's not guided by the Holy Spirit. It's not. It's just, you know, arbitrarily people are just um, trying to use their own um, worldviews and, and perspectives and academic studies and whatever to kind of bring out these different interpretations of the scripture, which was not the initial intent of the holy author. Right. Um, and so I think that's that's actually one of the things that we wanted to move on to next. And that was being the idea of sola scriptura. And so before, you know, I, I kind of put the cart before the horse there, but, you know, if you haven't heard of Sola Scriptura before, uh, basically it's just the belief in in that 
that scripture is the only thing that guides your faith. That scripture is the only thing that um, you need to believe in. And if you ever have something that, you know, needs addressed, then you turn to the Bible straight away and whatever is written in the black and white text, that's what you go to um, as, as your answer. Now, you know, like we said off the top, the thing about Catholicism is that we, there's a marriage, like, like you said, there's a beautiful marriage between sacred scripture and sacred tradition. And for us, um, you know, as we, as we recognize, sacred scripture is truly the word of God, but it is not all that we turn to, right? And so what do you think is actually the issue with sola scriptura? Um, well, part of it is, and, you know, one, one of the great things to, to watch on this is um, actually one of the Symbolon episodes that I, was, I just told Jason I was watching this recently. Um, I think it's from the its first series, uh, the second episode, uh, and it talks a lot about this. But um, one of the issues like you already called out is um, that we can try to interpret the things uh, differently, right? And so without that guiding principle of what does this mean, it's really difficult for us to understand um, that which which ought to be understood, right? It's things like, uh, you know, we there's even the the pieces that are lost in translation, right? So take mm-hmm. one of the one of the easiest examples is in Ephesians five, right, where it's the um, wives be subject to your husbands, um, that that whole line, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's wives be subject to your husbands, and then a, a f- further along it says, and husbands uh, love your wives like Jesus. And then it goes further to say the way he died for his church, right? And everyone forgets that part, but mm-hmm. you know it's um, it's things like this where you know in the original Greek was that really what it said in the same way that we understand subject to, right? So this is just one of many examples of you know you know what like it's really easy to misinterpret um, the different pieces that we read in the Bible without that guiding principle, right? And what we would call that guiding principle is the magisterium. Really, it's just the authority of the church, right? Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, that's kind of what that means. Um, so that that's one of the really big things here. And I think it can also be just summed up in terms of the issue of Sola Scriptura is there's nowhere in the Bible that actually says you should only believe in the Bible. Um, So it's self-contradictory, right? And even thinking back to, you know, historically back then when Jesus went out and taught, when St. Peter went out, when St. Paul, whoever, when St. Matthew went out to teach, he didn't have a like they didn't have a Bible in hand to yeah. to you know preach the preach the word of God, um, you know the Bible came much later, and so you know we still believe like I've been I've been saying that you know it's divinely inspired it's it's guided by the Holy Spirit and so it is sacred it is the word of God, but if you think about it there's really no reason why anyone should be believing in the Bible alone. Yeah, no, absolutely true. I think it was several hundred years, um, if I recall correctly. I don't really remember. My yeah, I, I, I had no idea what the quantity was, so I just said much later to cover myself. <laughs> uh, it was after say Justin Martyr. Oh my goodness, I used to know this, but anyways, um, yeah, it, it's it's not not written in there. And you know, um, <laughs> we were talking about which one of us is going to read this, but um, even even uh, to another point, um, what is written in scripture. In Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, uh, chapter 2, verse 15, uh, it says, Stand firm then, brothers and sisters, and keep a firm grasp of the traditions which you were taught, either by word of mouth or by our letter. So not only does it not say only read scripture, it says follow tradition. So uh, Mm -hmm. there's there's some pieces here which are a little uh, contradictory, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to move on to the common differences now, or is there anything else you want to cover? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so... 
uh, I, we just thought it would be good educational almost to kind of highlight, you know, the, the common differences between Protestantism and Catholicism, um, you know, just in case anyone is listening. And I think I, I'm super, super biased, but I've always found and probably just not educated, but I've always found these kind of common, like big questions that Protestants have to challenge um, the Catholic faith as like pretty easy to answer. Um so I'll start with like the Okay, the... sorry. Doesn't your dad also have like a master's of theology like Yes, he does. Okay, so so you were brought <laughs> up by someone who's very well catechized. So for yes, anyone exactly. else who doesn't find these questions easy to answer, don't worry. You know, <laughs> I'm with fair. you. That's fair. Um so yeah, so the idea of like Mary and the saints, right? So a common question from Protestants is just like you know obviously like you know some of them believe in the existence of Mary um you know having given birth to Jesus but um a lot of the time they challenge us and say that we pretty much worship Mary, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll start with Mary. I know I said Mary and the saints, but I'll start with Mary. Where um, we we pray to her, we, um, you know, pray to her through a, like a statue and like, isn't that idolatry? Um, you know, if you're, if you're praying to Mary, isn't that basically making her a god? Um, and I've just always found it difficult <laughs> to not see the foolishness of that question just because um hello like this is the mother of god here this is um within the bible itself within like from jesus words himself he says that this is his mother and he gives his mother to us and so that kind of establishes just how um it's understating it uh for for me to say that it's a huge deal um for 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 mary to be not just like the mother of all of us uh the spiritual mother but the mother of god himself Right, this is the person that God chose to to bear His human form, um, and something to clarify is that like when we are quote unquote praying to Mary, we're not like worshiping her; we're asking for her intercession. I know in our January first episode, you had uh, brought up the um, uh, towards the end of our yeah the wedding of Cana towards the end of our episode. Uh, that is where Jesus Himself is telling um, uh, telling us to that His that he will listen to his mother, right? Yeah. Um, that that her intercessions are definitely the, the most powerful, the strongest, because he is her mother. And so when we pray to Mary and we're asking her for her prayers, we're not, we're not like worshiping her in the same way that we are exalting and praising the name of God and the name of Jesus. We're just reaching out to her like we would to our own human mothers, but in a more yeah. spiritual way. And so, I mean, just to quickly wrap up here, um, it's the same way with the saints, right? These are These are people who have walked our, our, our footsteps, um, walked the same earth that we have walked, um, and they have found a way to make it into heaven. Um, and essentially, they're just our our um, our idols, really. Like, not idolatry idols, but in the same way that, like, an athlete might be our idol, right? We yeah. look up to these people. We look up to these people because they have figured it out. They've managed to um, take their broken life uh, that they were born into and participated in God's salvation and found their way into into heaven. And, and like they know what to ask for is another part of it too, right? Like we'll we'll oftentimes we'll we'll put up our prayers and be like, was like blindly say, God, I need some help here. And like mm-hmm. you know, Mary and the saints having gone through this and actually gotten there, they can say like, okay, God, like this is the grace that Andrew needs right now, right? Like please, please, you know, exactly uh, give that give that to him, right? And they can ask for that in a particular way that we might, we might not be able to. So like yeah like to me it's just really straightforward like I just they're not gods we're, we're not being I I don't know what the word is they're it's not idolatry Idolatrous. 
I guess so. I don't know. I don't think that's a word. Um, good at English. But yeah, uh, yeah. That's not that's not how we look at it. Like even even though we have statues, even though we have like icons of Mary and the saints, um, those are just to help you know with our visual connection to them, right? Yeah. Um, in the same way that during our Zoom call right now, it, it's easier for me to talk to you because I can see your face. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not because I worship you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I, I just, I've always found, found that um, kind of easy to answer. Uh, that took longer than I, I thought it would. Um, but kind of the other common differences between Protestantism and Catholicism uh, is the idea of purgatory. Um, so I think let's just move into the next point here where um, I, I think a lot of uh, Protestants tend to believe that, um, you know, as long as you believe in God, then you're you're good. You're good to go. You're safe. You're 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 going to make it to heaven. But I don't think that's really how we look at it as Catholics. Yeah. So so it's that, or it's like if as long as you believe in God, or some people say like some Protestant faiths believe that you know because Jesus came, everyone's saved anyways, or it's already decided if you're saved or not. Um, and and you know that's that's not what we believe as Catholics. And this is one of those pieces that I think I brought up a couple episodes ago, where um, you know it's really the beautiful thing about the Catholic faith is that we also participate in our salvation, right? Um, that's part of the beauty is that you know we do improve as we go in life, and we improve towards that end of of um, you know being able to fully participate in our union with God. Uh, when we when we reach heaven, right? So when we reach eternal life, um, and and I'm glad that you brought it up this way because that that's kind of purgatory is the continuation of that journey of us getting to the point where we can fully um, you know appreciate that union with God um, after our deaths, right? Um, and so you know that's that's one of the really big differences, right? Is that you know going to confession matters you know what you do matters mm-hmm. right um it's not it's not like none of it matters you know you there is such a thing as mortal sin you can do things to get to kind of put yourself on the wrong track so to speak or on the right track mm-hmm. and so that's something that's really encouraging because you know if like there's a couple of things right it's like if um jesus coming once meant salvation for all regardless then first of all that takes away free will which kind of defeats the whole purpose of our existence, right? You know, that we, we believe that God made us for love so that we can love him. And if he said like, you know what, after 2000 years, you guys aren't getting it. So you're, <laughs> this is it, right? <laughs> you're, you're coming. Um, then, then all of a sudden we lose that, right? Um, and the other thing is, if all God needed to do was kind of snap his fingers and then we were saved, then why send his son to come and suffer with us? Yeah. Why not just save us? Like, what's the point, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, so that, those are questions that come to mind for me, right. Which kind of make it not make so much sense about this kind of blanket statement of salvation. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to say is, you know, uh, there are consequences to our actions, right. It wouldn't make sense at all if we could just go out and do whatever we wanted, um, you know, good or bad, right. Virtuous or, or vicious and just be like, well, I'm going to go to heaven anyway, because Jesus came and saved me, right? Like, that, yeah. that's not how it works. And um, I, again, another one of those things that's mind boggling to me, again, I'm super biased. Uh, like you pointed out, you know, I've been <laughs> catechized by my dad who has a master's in theology, but it's just like, I don't know, like, logically speaking, almost, it's just like, how can you believe in something where it's just like your consequences, like, there's no consequences to your actions, it, it doesn't click, it doesn't make sense to me. So, um. Yeah. Um, so I think just moving away from the more academic stuff, um, you know, we, we started off the episode kind of sharing about our own faith journeys, our own 
journeys to becoming Catholic to also just kind of choosing Catholicism. Now, I guess the other way of going about that is uh, we have friends, both you and I, um, and I talk to them every day, good friends, um, who were born into a Catholic environment, uh, who went to a Catholic school, all of those things, uh, but ultimately still fell away from the faith. Um, And I'm sure a lot of our listeners would have those kinds of friends too. Um, what would you say to, to, you know, those, those kinds of listeners who are, you know, thinking about these people in their lives who have turned away from the faith? Yeah, I think, I think one of the first things is to, to understand them, right? Um, I think, uh, one of our good friends, the, the way he puts it is that when we were brought up, there are a lot of, a lot of people in our parents' generation who, like these things that we talked about weren't really taught to them, right? So Catholicism to a lot of our parents' generation was just, a place to go to learn how to be a better person. And I think that, um, you know, growing up that way, most of us don't really buy into that, right? For kind of the same reasons we talked about last episode, right? You don't really need someone giving you rules to be a better person necessarily, right? I can kind of figure mm-hmm. it out. And and you know what? Like from there, you kind of either say, I don't believe that I'm going to figure things out on my own or I don't believe that there must be more to this. And that's kind of where we ended up, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, kind of just understanding that like, you know what? Like it kind of, you can't blame them for saying this doesn't make sense because yeah. a lot of what we're taught didn't. And so understanding that first, I think is a really good point. And then starting to find those kind of common grounds, right? Like, like what you know, did you like about it? You know, let, let's talk about that and then let's expand on that. Because what I find is that eventually there's always ways to tie that back into the beauty of the faith eventually, right? Yeah. Good things. If we really believe our faith, all good things eventually come from God. And, and it's just, you know, can we find those little opportunities to kind of nudge the conversation in that direction and end up back towards him? All good things do come from God. And that's because all of those things are just, you know, the, the real and divine truth, right? And so if you ask the questions, all the questions eventually lead back to the same place. And that, yeah. that, that's God, right? Um, and, you know, I guess the other thing I would say is definitely just probably just don't give up hope. Um, like I said, I talked to, you know, my Catholic friends who are not any, who not, who are not Catholic any longer. Uh, I talk to them every day. Um, and it's not like I go into every single conversation or leave every conversation being like, you know what, tomorrow might be the day. I, I think, <laughs> I think tomorrow might be the day that they finally come to see, know Jesus. Um, obviously no, it's not, it's not like that, but at the same time, you know, God will, God will do his works in a way that you probably won't ever expect. Um, and maybe he'll use you as an instrument, you know, um, but maybe he won't. Maybe he'll use someone else uh, in that person's life. So, um, you know, I guess just just don't give up hope um, because Jesus himself is hope um, and he can do anything that, you know, we can't think about. So um, I guess just to kind of wrap everything up in a bow here, um, I liked what you said about, oh, now I'm drawing a blank in terms of what you said, um, but I think the whole idea of what we want to sum everything up with is just that life as a Catholic. Oh, I I remember what what I wanted to say. Life as a Catholic isn't easy. Um, You know, what you said about how a lot of the teachings, like maybe people just don't agree with, uh, it's because those teachings aren't easy to digest, right? Those aren't exactly the easiest things to necessarily believe in. Um, And, you know, what we just said is that ultimately the, the... God will reveal his divine truth and God is always right. But it's not going to be an easy journey to get there. And I, I remember, yeah, I, I started off the top of this episode talking about how for Catholics, 
love and suffering are very closely intertwined. And I think understanding that being a Catholic is never meant to be easy, right? Especially in the society that we we continue to to find ourselves in, it's it's always going to be us pushing against against the grain in that way. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately, you know, being a Catholic is just understanding that you know you're participating in in salvation by developing that relationship with Christ, and that will ultimately mean that you get to experience the greatest love you'll have ever experienced, but also, but also at the same time, it's going to be an incredibly difficult kind of love because it's so, so intimately laced with, with kind of suffering. Right. But it's, it's a whole cycle, right? Because it's through that suffering that you will find God, that you will find God in the midst of that. So I don't know if there's anything you want to add as I kind of bumble through that. No, 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 not at all. I think it's, um, you know, really at the end of the day, all of this is just to say, you know, pursue the joy, right? Um, we're saying that God ultimately is good. He's hope. He's love. You know, there's there's all the academics behind it, and and maybe one of them, one of the things we talked about, um, resonates with you. But if not, honestly, just pursue joy. And 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 you know, I think both of us believe that if you pursue that wholeheartedly, you'll you'll end up in the right place. So, you know, don't you don't need to overcomplicate it either. For sure. All right. So, I mean, that concludes our kind of couple episodes here in terms of trying to delve into how we chose the Catholic faith. Um, you know, why why religion at all? Why Christianity? And ultimately, why Catholicism? Um, so, like I just said, hopefully, you know, something that we shared um, or spoke about, you know, did resonate with you. Uh, but if not, you know, like he said, also, just, just keep searching, right? Search and seek. Um, and eventually, God will reveal himself to you if he hasn't already. He's probably already knocking on your door. Um, so yeah, just to conclude, there's a quick reminder, um, you know, you can find us on, on Fountain of Love and Life now. Um, so we're really excited about, about being on their platform, um, and the, and the partnership that we have there, but otherwise just do your usual, uh, finding us. I mean, you're already listening to us somehow, but keep (laughs) listening to us on your favorite podcatcher, whether that's Spotify or Apple iTunes podcasts or Google podcasts or whatever else it is that you use. So you'll hear from us in a couple more weeks. Um, And until then, uh, Lent is starting soon. So maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe we won't. I don't know. We we don't plan these things. But uh, (laughs) have a blessed start to your Lent, everyone. That's what I was going to say. I don't know what to say anymore. Bye. (laughs)